Hey guys, it is Luke here from The Issue. Thank you for listening to The Issue Podcast. Make sure you guys catch us two days a week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you guys stream your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a voicemail on our Anchor website. You can find that in our Twitter bio, which is at The Issue Podcast, or find us on Instagram at The Underscore Issue Podcast. Guys, make sure to tell your friends if you like the show, and thank you for listening to The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is The Issue. It is Monday, April 19th, and uh, we have a loaded show today. We've got a lot to get to. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a massive show. Yeah. It's exciting. Uh, I'm excited. We have two interviews today. Going to get to a lot of local sports, high school even, and then Steelers. Who are they going to draft? We're going to talk about that. Right. Even next year, maybe even their draft. We're going to get into that a little bit um, with our first guest. We'll get into the Pirates. Actually, not terrible. Yeah, they're actually um, you know competent, yeah, at least. They're surprising. They've won a, a couple series. You know, It's not terrible. And then um, the Penguins, obviously, on their, on their playoff push. So we're going to get into a little bit of that. But... The bread and butter of the show here. Yep. Today, we're pretty much going to jump right into it. Yeah. For uh, those of you who don't know, this is a Pittsburgh-based sports podcast, um, and there's been a lot of local news um, actually on the high school that we've uh, that we attended, Pine Richland High School, um, and they've been in the news a lot recently for firing their head football coach. Uh, it was a bad move by the administration. We're going to get into why. Uh, that's where our first guest, Jordan Crawford, will be on to talk about. Uh, and even our second guest, Jared Marfizi, we will have both of them on to discuss that kind of a kind of a, a head horrible move. There. I mean, what eight years, four titles, uh, Whippeal titles, and then two state titles. Yep, and eighty-five and eighteen record. I Just mean, a winner, not only a winner, but a, a pillar of the community. Yep. never heard anyone utter a bad word about him. So yeah, it is it is a head scratcher, and uh, we're going to get into kind of the dynamics of that and, and why. Why we think it happened? Why our guests think it happened? A little bit because they both played um, in the program. They're going to talk about, you know, what was the program like? Was there is there anything even remotely factual about the uh, the hazing allegations? So we're going to get into all that. Yep, and uh, that's actually what we're going to jump right into first. That's what you guys are here to listen to. So we're going to get right into our interview with Jordan Crawford. All right, so now we are sitting down here with Jordan Crawford. Uh, Running back on the Pine Richland football team, 2016 through 2018. Uh, I mean, this dude was just electric on the field. First team all st- uh, state senior year, first team all conference, and uh, the Fab 22 selection. Yeah, the Fab 22 is impressive. Um, taking literally the 22 best players, you know, by position in the state. Uh, it's impressive, and and your stats show it. Your senior year was insane, <laughs> insane. 1,200 rushing yards, 141 carries. 29 total touchdowns. The yeah. team was just stacked. Yeah, it was insane. Oh, uh, but now Pine football program, what's going on? You know, you know it's it's wild. You know, this started all probably about I don't know month month and a half ago. You know, <clears throat> kids started getting called in. You know, interrogated practically, um, and I was actually one of them. You know, and. and how the school kind of handled it was, you know, sketchy in a way, you know, because I even asked, you know, 
you know, I'm not under the legal age or whatever, but, you know, I asked to bring in a representative and they denied my request, you know, and they weren't telling any of these kids' parents about them being questioned and stuff, you know, just so how they handled this whole situation was just, you know, a little fishy, you know. Kind of shady underground yep. almost. Yeah. So by representative, were you going to bring in a lawyer or, or a, like a parent or what were you thinking? A parent yeah. slash mentor. Yeah. You know, um, you know, just so, you know, they don't twist words, you know, because unfortunately they've done that before. You know, they meet with kids and twist their words and, right. you know, so it's crazy. A lot of the times, too, it, it's odd to me that they never they never brought the cops into the situation. Usually if you would have a you know, something that would warrant firing the entire coaching staff, usually the the police would be notified at some point, especially along the lines of hazing with minors, right? Right. So when it comes to, you know, hazing and and to the extreme of bullying, you know, legally they actually have to, you know, report it to the police. And uh, like you said, the fact that there's over the years have been no reports to them, you know, definitely makes the whole situation, you know, yeah, how, do, how does nothing come across their desk? If you're talking like right. minors and, and all that, obviously we all graduated from that high school. We know even down to the little things um, like text messages. Yep. They'll take your phone and, and all that, which is standard practice when you're talking about minors. Right. I'm not discrediting that, but right. going forward, you're talking about a physical allegation, obviously not happening, yep. but if it's even brought up, that should be something that's reported, and it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, I think that kind of leads back to... The investigation being shady itself it was it really legit you know you, you kind of get to that and you said you were interviewed yeah and you said it didn't feel legit yeah it, it was just weird you know like i said they denied my request to representative and you know the, just the questions they were asking me you know and and how they were reacting to to my answers was almost like they already knew what they were going to put out there no matter what i said um Kind of steering you in a direction. Right. And, you know, they were bouncing and I could tell as it was going on, they were almost twisting my answers already. Just right in front of you. Just right in front of me, you know, just in a low key way, seeing if I would, you know, not notice it. And uh, just very shady how they yeah. did this. Yeah. It's insane. So I know, you know, I'm not sure how, how you feel about name and names, but it was the, it was the big guys in that, in that, um, in the interview, right? Was it high up? So you're not dealing with principal, um, assistant principal, which now is the AD, AD. which very shady. That's a situation with itself there. Uh, you know, you, he starts investigating this and, and just trying to get coach K fired. And then, you know, two days before it went down, he's all of a sudden the AD. Yeah, the acting it is yeah. just, doesn't I, make sense. No. Yeah, you know, it's a little odd, and, and that's like right. when you get back to the power struggle. Like, do you think there's anything else on that agenda other than the power thing? Or do you think uh, maybe was it a money thing? I, I was, no. What do you think that? It, it's power? Yeah, you know, Coach K was top dog in this community, and as it shows, rightfully, he still is. You know, so, rightfully too. so. You know, and, and for years and years, you know this admin and school board didn't like how you know he had the attention and they were threatened by his power and was willing to fire him for it it's ridiculous do you have any first-hand accounts of of that school board and uh and some of the things that went wrong there with the football program the disagreements over the years yeah that locker room for three years major part of it as well back to my year um we played na at na 
there was an incident where one of the our players after the game, you know, took the flag, put it in the middle of the field. Yeah. I caught it. Was harmless, <laughs> you know, it was awesome. Um, yeah. You know, but obviously NA flipped out about it, and our own administration wanted us suspended for that. Yeah. You know, the, for the something. Program the, yeah. For something wow. so minor. For something so minor. Something so harmless. Kids reacting after a giant rival win. You know, and they wanted us suspended for playoffs for that. It, you know, the fact that they didn't have our back for that was just... That, that, that doesn't make sense at all to me. Right. And, uh, you know, you're showing emotion. It's it's school pride. Right. That's all it is. It's finest. Right. You know? Especially with, you know, the benefits that the, the school district as a whole receives from the football program. Yep. I mean, the national attention that it's received. Right. Um, I mean, Being on ESPN. ESPN two years in a row, and then IMG row. Academy comes up and plays in Pittsburgh yep. at Pine Richland. Right. Like it doesn't get much bigger than that when you talk to high school sports. No. Nope. Um, but outside of playing a national schedule, that's pretty much as big as you can get right there for for a kind of regional level. I mean, we're ranked. They were ranked in the top, you know, ten seemingly yeah. the past three four years yep. when, you, when you talk about national rankings. And they've been doing a really high classification too. I mean, six yeah. A football in Pennsylvania is no joke. Right. Yeah, you're competing with the St. Joe's. They're recruiting to get a guy like DeAndre Swift. Yep. That's now in the, in the in the pros. You guys play him yeah. like ahead. That was crazy. Nuts. Yeah. Did you when you were. Quick side note here. When you were watching that, were you thinking, oh, this guy's special when you were watching him play? Yeah, you can just tell, you know, how he was able to, when he got the ball, you know, it was just yeah. all the way to the end zone almost every time. You know, he did something special. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, so going back to the administration here and then what the football program does for the whole entire school and the community, the money that it brings in with just ticket sales alone, I mean, you can't have a lot of other sports with, right. without football. You know, because – how it works, I believe, is you know, any money that's brought in from any sport, it gets distributed throughout all the sports, right? Yep. You know, so I mean, there's there's games where that stadium's packing ten thousand people, yeah. you know, bringing in crazy room only with, right. without COVID, yeah, bringing in crazy money, you know, that supports the rest of this, you know, sports, yep. and yeah, all of athletics. All athletics. Pretty much everything. I think basketball might be the only one that can really hold its own just because right. ticket sales as well. Yep. But you look at like soccer and, and baseball. It's very even. minor ticket sales. Baseball doesn't even charge. Right. Yep. Yeah. So without this program, you know, I other sports would, like you said, besides basketball, probably would definitely struggle, yeah. you know, without it. And see, the big thing for me is just with this whole story coming out, I don't like the fact that it puts kind of coach k in the negative here um he's i've never heard a bad rumor whispered about the guy he has been i mean i played for him for a year yeah um and he was i mean probably the best coach that i've ever had across all sports yeah i mean when it comes to coach k you know us players you know the father figure 100 percent. absolutely you know it mentor um he taught us to be great men, not just great football players. And he preached that all the time. You know, he said for, it's like 1% of high school football kids go and play college football, you know? So he always said, you know, high school football is very, very little of your life. It's a great time of your life, but it's very little. Um, so he always, you know, taught us more than just football. He taught us life, you know, and, and how to succeed in the real world, 
you know, and you don't get that from a lot of people. Right. No, that's, that's a leader. That's a pillar of the community. That's someone that you want to, that coaches should emulate. You should yep. look up to a guy like that. And um, yep. I know Pine has had, had a lot of great coaches over the years. Oh, I'm talking across all sports. Um, yeah. Coach Pat Cash, Coach Wolf's a pretty pretty good mentor. Yeah. Um, you're doing all that he's um, overcome. Right. And Casper, you get that, you get that, that wisdom from Coach K. He... Yeah, um, I was in the locker room uh, a couple times senior year, my senior year, um, doing some pictures for the team, and hearing him talk, you can feel the room behind yep. him. Yeah, um, it's it's the energy you know he brings to the to the team. It's you know you can just see and hear the passion you know when he talks. You know he, mm. and it's not just about winning. You know because everyone you know has been bringing up you know how can you fire someone who wins like he does? Well, you know. That's great and all at the end of the day, but, you know, take the winning aside, you know. He's there for the kids, you know. He cares more about the kids succeeding in, in, in football and in life than he does with them on the football field, Yeah, you know. And, I mean, I think another big thing that just speaks to the character of Coach K is the assistant coaches that he's brought in to, to help out here. Uh, the staff and the team, I've never met a like a better gelled group of guys. Yeah. Uh, they all play off each other, all bring their own strengths, and, I mean, they motivate these guys like like no one else does. Yeah, that, that coaching staff, you know, take the players aside, you know, how they, you know, react and, and with each other, you know. It's a true family, yeah. you know, and uh, – they uh, they truly treat the players like their own. They're their own kids, you know. Just to mention some names, you know, Coach Neff, uh, Coach Landmeyer, Coach Brock, Coach Miller, Coach Yoakum. You know, these guys. You know, I, I just truly don't know how you wouldn't want them coaching your high school football team. You know, it it's blows my mind. Yeah, and to go off that, just like the support that uh, like from all the players back towards the coaches now. Yeah. Um, it's awesome to see kind of like a, the coaches have always been there for them and had their backs through everything, through practices, games, injuries, no matter what yep. it is. So to see the players now be able to turn around and have their coaches back is just, it's, it's special to see. Yeah. It, it's, you know, and I've talked to a couple of them, you know, and them talking about it, you know, they get teared up about it. It's truly emotional, you know, and great to see how this community and the, Former players and current players are just truly rally, rallying, you know, around them right now. Yeah, not even them. You you look at uh, I don't know if you obviously you've been on Twitter, yeah. right? And the the outpour of support. I'm talking yeah. people from like Moon baseball, yep. like Moon Township baseball, right, yeah. Plum basketball, like Penn Hills football, Penn Hills, Penn Hills women's soccer, like right. just the the most random. Um, teams that you, you would never even think of, they're right. coming out and saying, like, you know, we support Coach A. They, they probably wouldn't even have a, a direct link to him. Yep. But he's just so impactful and so widespread. And you talked about that brotherhood feeling. Yep. I think they, they lead by example, him and the whole coaching staff. Yeah. They show you what a brotherhood should be. Right. And so can you speak a little bit about that? Just <clears throat> Yeah, you know. It, the gel, like that, they just gel so well. They, they just, you know, when he brought that staff in, you know, and – the ma- the main of them came in that 2014 year where you saw you know okay this program and staff something special you know and just you know I was in ninth grade at the time so seeing you know how that staff and group of players were be able to react with another you know it was like like you said it was a brotherhood you know it's just 
it's kind of almost undescribable, you know, you just don't get another feeling like that, you know. Um, it's, the, it's the classic lead by example. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, they were there for us, you know, when we played and it's crazy, you know, they're still there for us, you know. They reach out to players that are four years, eight years out still, you know, how's life going, if you ever need anything, you know. Hit them up on Facebook, right. Twitter, yep. you know, all of that. You know. Um, big parts of life that I always see. Um, like a like a tweet from Phil who's who's doing really well at Boston yeah. College there, uh, you know he'll, he'll he'll his tweet will get retweeted by like yep. Brock or someone mm-hmm. like that. They're showing they're showing their support, right? And, you and know, and it's it's awesome to see. Yeah, and I uh, I'm fortunate I get to uh, golf with a lot of them all the time. You mm-hmm. know, just get out there, you know, and just put football in that all side and just talk be about friends. life and be yeah. friends, you know, and. You know, on a funny joke, you know, if Coach K hears this, you know, better than him at golf, but <laughs> yeah. So and you never know; he might, he might give it a listen. He yeah. might, Absolutely. you know, shoot him a text, but like, you know, yeah. <laughs> talk to a little, be smack like, yeah, you know, your golf talk game. a little smack here. <laughs> but no, they're just, uh, just a great group of guys. You know, don't deserve this. You know, only deserve the best, and uh, they definitely deserve their jobs back for sure. I think. Uh, there would be it would be really hard to be a different coaching staff trying to come in here and and try to take this position over i it the only th- thing that would really seem right is for these guys to get their jobs back and and for casper to keep rolling with what he's had yeah and i've talked to uh you know some juniors and sophomores you know and they're just like i don't know how i would be able to be coached by another staff you know we just built such a, a great connection. We just came off such a high season. Um, they they are just uh, in shock, you know, and don't know how they would be able to be coached. And I don't think I don't even think I would be able to. You know, yeah. you built such a, a strong connection with these guys. You build a culture, a yeah. culture, and for them just to take it away and say, "Here's a new staff." I, yeah, it's not even like it's just one coach leaving, you know. Oh, it's the whole staff, so right. that whole culture goes with it. Yeah, you got some of those upperclassmen, but it's so hard to, to create that yeah. culture without at least one of the coaches in that room, and none of them are going to be there. Right, and, and that's years and years and years built. Even if you're not in the program, you know, these youth kids are like, I can't wait to play for that coaching staff, you know. And, yeah. and then for them just to take it away, you know. To build that back up, I mean, that's, like I said, years and years and years to do. And especially with what Coach K does with those younger age groups and how he has them start running varsity-style playbook so young so that it's not too much of a transition coming up as they are getting older and developing. So It's not just a coach, he's a teacher of the game. He goes at a very young age, he's got a camp um, that he, at a very young age, is teaching these kids the correct way to play football. I mean, five years old. Yeah. It's like five to 14. The proper lessons to take from it. That's that's not a football coach, that's a mentor. It's a mentor for the whole community. He's putting the community on his back, and it's awesome to see. Um, I, this did happen elsewhere, though. So you look at West Allegheny. I don't know if you remember a couple years back with the coach um, Bob Palco. Yep. Yeah, and, and so they, West Allegheny administration, you know, seemingly kind of for no reason kind of pushed them out. Right. right? Um, they didn't even cite something as major as, as Pinerson has cited in this instance. But he's doing really well at Mount Lebanon. It seems like West A isn't just, it's just not the same anymore. Yeah, it, and, you know. 
unfortunately, if, if they don't get their jobs back, you, you know, I just don't think that the Pine Richland program will, will be what it was. And it will definitely take years to build back to even somewhat close to what it is now. Yeah. So I agree. It's just not. It's just not looking good. No, I, I agree. Um, so, do you have any stories about Coach K? Just how how awesome he was. Did he ever join in practice with you guys and just mess around, kind of show you how it's done? Like the, like I said, the lead by example. Yeah, every once in you know, he, he, there was one coach that you know jumped in there. Uh, coach Mao. Yeah, he was a, a Navy quarterback. And I forget what team we were playing that week, but they ran the triple option, you know. And as a quarterback, that's a hard job to yeah. do, you know. So he uh, he jumped in there for practice, you know, <laughs> and was running around. And, and the energy, it only brought more energy to practice. Yeah. Um, the kids were just so excited to be able to, you know, practice with him. And um, it, it was truly a, a rememberable moment for sure. Yeah. So you seem a little more in tune with the, the inner workings of what you think is going to happen going forward. If you had to put your best bet, if you had to wage your money on what do you think is going to happen going forward, whether he gets his job back, whether um, since the Gateway um, AD put that out, do you think he's going to be the only applicant? Like, what do you think happens going forward? If I had to guess, all guesses, you know, um, the the way this community, I'm not even going to say community, I'm going to say state. Yeah. Um is reacting to this and, and showing support to Coach K and, and the staff. I, I think their jobs are going to come back, yeah. and, and you know, it's only going to bring more attention to to the Pine Richland program and, and community. I sure hope so. Yep, I really do. Yeah. And there's a petition going around online to sign. Yeah, um, to bring the coaches back. Yeah. I, Last time I checked, it was up towards seven thousand. Yeah, we could link that here in the, yeah. in the description for the episode. That way, yeah. you can go out and sign it if you want. It's very easy. I did it um, two seconds last time we were here. Yeah, we we're planning for this, and I did it. Yeah, it took maybe thirty seconds. Yeah, tops. Yeah, uh, you know, we easy. that link will be down uh, in the description of the episode. So feel free to go fill it out. Um, help support definitely something that's worthy of being supported that's something for sure. you can do yeah, yeah you can definitely. even donate money i'm not really sure what they're doing with it but you can donate right. money um if you feel like that would help extra as well or you could just sign yeah um, it, it truly is awesome but i want to i want to kind of transition here because you know you're obviously you've been successful um with football and uh, you played with phil phenomenal athlete he's yeah, not boston yeah, college i personally think he's a breakout um to be a, a very good draft prospect this coming year. So he's going to his, what, redshirt junior year? I right? believe so. Yeah, and I, I think he's got a candidate to break out, kind of like a Joe Burrow, kind of like a Mac Jones yep. um, in college football. Like, what do you think seeing him up close for three years, <clears throat> maybe even longer? You've been friends with him for forever. Yeah, I mean, when when you see Phil play, it's like a, just a freak athlete, you know, all around. I mean, he could play receiver. You know, oh. he can just do it all, you know, and uh, sometimes when he comes home, you know, I bust out the old rusty cleats and put them on and run some routes for yeah. him. And uh, I definitely feel, you know, after this past season that he, he has another breakout season, he'll definitely be a, a wonderful draft pick for sure. And I mean, in high school, it wasn't just uh, getting it done on the football field, too. This dude could ball, too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Freaking nature, he's what, like six five almost. Yeah, huge guy. I remember watching like some of the pregame stuff uh, 
for PR basketball and him coming in like you're not allowed to dunk pregame, right. but he's like coming up and literally getting just, his elbows over yep. the rim, <laughs> just dropping the ball in. just yeah. with ease. Yeah, right. he, he's, but, a, he's a freak of nature. I mean, he has that frame and and that size to excel at the NFL level for sure, hundred percent. Um, and you know, don't want to make too early of a prediction here, but you know who's picking late first round next year, early, and then could probably easily trade up to a mid second round. Steelers sitting yeah. there. Be a hometown I, I, hero there. I don't think it's crazy, right? So you look at the Steelers generally draft 20 and on because they make the playoffs. That's, yeah. that's usually where playoff teams, you're, you're looking at 16, 17, and back. Um, that's generally where they're drafting because they're a successful franchise. Phil could be around in the, in the 27, 28 range. Yep, and you could even trade back if they're up at the 20th slot, yeah. trade back, get some picks, and still get the quarterback if they feel like he's going to be there. Yeah, because, I mean, they need a quarterback. Yeah. They need to fill that, and he's big. He's got a big frame, kind of like a – he'd probably plug right into that offense. Yeah, it's, it's funny. We all mess with him, you know, because people have compared him somewhat to, you know, Big Ben. And uh, we're like, why don't you try to get back here and be a hometown hero for us, you know? That would be sweet. That would <laughs> be so be awesome. cool. Um, I, so I argue about Phil. I think he, playing for a boss in college, gets better experience for the NFL. He's only got, like, one go-to target, right? That Hunter Long. Yeah. Definitely, he's a really good tight end prospect in this year's draft. Right. He's not surrounded like Mac Jones was with NFL talent. He's making harder, tighter window throws. Yeah. I remember he made this one throw to you at North Allegheny. Yeah. He's got... I think he's either rolling or he's got pressure in his face. Yeah. And he throws it on a dime like 50 yards to you down the <laughs> sideline there. Do you remember that play? Yeah, it was at uh, Ambridge in, yes. in the semifinals <laughs> yep. game. Um, it was almost like a broken play, you know. And uh, under pressure, just put it on a string and right there. That was one of the best throws I think I've ever seen um, with my own two eyes. I was actually yeah. there at the game. That was one of the best throws I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Yeah, I, the best – it was – Seneca Valley, and he just put it 70 yards, just right on the He's dot. He's on I mean, <laughs> just, you know, just stepped right into it and just let the thing fly. I was like, wow, this dude's something else. Yeah. Oh, man. I remember, so I, yeah, I remember that game at Central. Or, no, it was at home against Central. You had seven touchdowns. Seven. Right? Yeah. yeah. That was, was that in the first half? First half. Yeah. Oh my god! First of all, Central's was like loaded with Division One talent, as were right. you guys, right? Yeah. But like, if you go and buy recruits, they I thought they had a more talented football team. If you're going by like the stars, yeah. Right? Obviously, you know you're, you're riding with your boys, but right. star wise, they had a more talented football team. Yep. Yeah, back absolutely. To coaching, you guys throttled them. It didn't even look close. Yeah, it didn't even, they looked like they were a middle school team. It out looked there. like a JV defense. Yeah. Like, what was the game plan going in? Did Casper say, "I think we can exploit some some inside zones"? Or like, where did you where did you beat them with those seven touchdowns? Most of the time, inside zones. You know, it was just up the gut, and yeah. uh, you know that goes back to show that coaching staff. You know, I think that one of the best stats that they have. So the the first time we played NA, I think we rushed for. Over 600 yards. Crazy, right? <laughs> That's just crazy, especially when you have Phil as your quarterback. You, right. you think, okay, he's throwing it. Exactly. Yeah. And then that second game, you know, semifinals, we come and throw for over 500. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just not just fair. crazy. Video game yeah. number stats. Yeah. It's just stats. nuts. And, and that shows, uh, you know, that coaching staff and, and what they're capable of. Yeah. That's insane. So – yeah, the leadership that we mentioned with the coaching staff, Phil is a leader. 
in that game, was he saying, look, you're hot, man. Let's, let's get you the ball. Did he ever audible into running plays for you? Did, did he have the power to audible? No, because the coaching staff, we just had... It was perfect game plan. Perfect game yeah. plan. We always <laughs> had faith in them. Yeah. We never said, oh, we might need to audible this. We knew. They mm-hmm. knew what they were talking about. They had a great uh, game plan drawn up, and we just followed along with it. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, getting down to it here, if you could put, um, like if you say that the, the program, if they don't bring these coaches back, the, the main thing that they're going to miss, if you could sum it up, um, is it the the leadership, like the the preaching off the field success? Like what do you think um, that they'll miss absolutely most if you had to sum it up into one thing? The father figure that these coaches are to these players. Um, the, you know, these coaches are going to miss out on their jobs for sure, 100%. Can't take that away. But the the – Current players are truly gonna hurt the most from this. Um, you can already see it now, but like I said, the, their mentors, not even just on the field, but off the field, you know, and just making sure that we're successful in life and uh, definitely these kids, future kids coming up and the current kids are, are going to struggle from this the most if these coaches don't come back. Yeah, transitioning to, to off-the-field life, that's it's huge. It's that, big. That's what you're preaching in high school football. Absolutely. You know, like you said, 1%. Right. Go to anywhere. So that's why he always said, you know, I, I want to make sure you guys will be successful and are ready for what life is about to bring to you. Yep. So... He was great at that. I remember he'd always preach that in conditionings, too. Yeah. Like, we'd be, uh, we had the uh, suicides, starting yep. on the sideline, going through the hash marks. And right. He'd be like, you know, I have guys that used to play for me that are out doing construction work now. They said they'd give anything to come back and be in your shoes right now, even right. though you hate conditioning. Yeah. And just kind of preach that. And, yeah. And he'd be like, you guys are actually lucky to be here. And I think people... The players, I don't want to say took it for granted, but now that they see right. what they had, they'd give anything to to have that back. Yeah, and he was uh, just what he meant to the players. You know, every year he has a senior cookout at his house. You know, yeah. just let's bring these guys together. Let's just keep forming this brotherhood. Not not too many. You don't find too many coaches that no. do that. No, nope. And it's crazy fostering that that leadership, and not only being a leader but teaching others how to be a leader absolutely you know, that that's that thing that's what that cookout teach you're getting the leaders yes. of the team the seniors together yep. and teaching them how to be a leader right to yeah. the younger guys it's it's and, crazy yeah uh coach k would never have condoned the any type of bullying or hazing either i mean i no matter no. if you're a starter that has started for four years or you're somebody that hasn't played a single snap on varsity if you asked him to do something for you he'd be Right, and and I remember a a situation that happened, not hazing or bullying, but it was the Monday after homecoming. Yeah. You know, they always say, always say, ah, seniors take the day off. You know, there were a couple of us seniors that took the day off, and it was about 11 o'clock, and we were actually at lunch, and he found out and texted us and was like, if you guys don't get in school right now, you won't play. Yeah. Like that Friday, you're not playing. That Friday, you're not playing, and it was Monday. Yeah. So it just shows um, how strict and how focused he is on running a um, tight ship up there. Accountability, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah accountability it, is, it, is is major. In the program, when he came in, he he uh, created these twelve core values 
um, that the program, coaches, and players lived by um, pride, integrity, passion, accountability, loyalty, discipline, believe, relentless, toughness, sacrifice, effort, commitment, and, and every day just you know preach these words to us. Um, and, and that's the kind of program he built and ran. Probably can't even forget those 12. That's probably no. ingrained in your brain at yeah. that point. Yeah, yeah. just the, how much they, they preach that. It's crazy. I think what, what I take from those 12 things most is that not a single one of them is protect the football or right. – or you know, stay on your blocks longer. Yep. they're all things that you apply outside of football. Absolutely, and that's what he preached all the time. Uh, you know, outside of football is most important. Yeah, I think that's what we kind of want to. You know, if if you're listening and you can take away one thing about Coach K, that's that's major because that's who that, he was. he's a community pillar. He's not just a football coach, right? You know, and what he is doing for the community with his camp and how he meets with the youth program throughout the season. It's truly tremendous and how the impact one person can have on such a giant community. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's clear. It's clear to me. Um, is there, is there anything else you want to throw out about, about this coaching staff at all? Because we said earlier, you know, they have your back. Now the players are having their back. <laughs> Um, so anything else you want to throw out there to have their back? And I mean, maybe just you know, quick story. I remember uh, bef- the day of the state championship, you know, we had our offensive, defensive meetings, and, and you would have thought come- going into such a big game, the state championship of PA, 6A, you would have been talking about the game plan. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We walked into that meeting, and all we talked about was memories throughout the season. You know, what a great time we had with each other, the bond and friendships that we built that will last a lifetime. Um, that, that that was one of the biggest things I took away from that season. That moment right there, you know, was truly emotional, honestly, at the time, talking about all those memories. And uh, halftime of that game was 14-7, so pretty close. And uh, we walked into that locker room. Didn't really discuss what we were going to do in the second half. More just came together as a brotherhood and said, okay, let's go do this thing and let's go get it done and show people how close we've came and let's just finish this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He always said, you know, finish. Yep. That was the big uh, motto he had. Yep. All right. So. I mean, just about does it. Um, yeah. That, that was an awesome um, time hanging out with you, man. Yeah, it was and, great. Uh, and talking. Vouching for Coach K, vouching for this coaching staff. Yeah. Um, they should not have happened what happened to them. Yep. Really hope they get their jobs back. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, you guys can go help by signing that petition. Absolutely. Link will be in the uh, description uh, for this episode. Uh, Jordan, thanks for coming, man. Appreciate it. Uh, feel free to come back. Let us know if you ever want to come back, talk about anything. Will do. Uh, and we're going to be following this story. So if anything new happens, we'll, uh, we'll let you guys know. And, uh, Thanks for being here, man. Yeah. Also, guys, it. stay tuned. Jared Marfizi will be on uh, in the second segment. So, nice. um, you know, keep listening. Hey, guys, it's Tim from The Issue. Just wanted to give a quick shout-out to my new favorite performance brand, Rep Sports, and in specific, Raze Energy. That's R-A-Z-E. Skip the sugary energy drinks that always have a crash. Go get some Raze Energy. Zero sugar, high in amino acids. Get their pre-workout, some protein powder, hyper sleep aids, and more. 
anything you need to keep your body performing at its peak, you can find at repsports.com. We'll put the link down in the description for this episode. Use code TIMBO, that's T-I-M-B-O, for 15% off along with other benefits. Like I said, the link and the code will be in the description for this episode, so go check it out. What's up, guys? We're back after that Jordan Crawford interview. I thought it was a, I thought it was a great interview. It shed light on everything that you know we, as the host of this podcast, want to show about that staff. It uh, it emulates exactly what the whole entire community wants to be known about Coach K and that whole staff. Mm-hmm. I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, just how how those coaches created such a culture in that locker room. Um, I mean, just so much off the field stuff, uh, things that you you don't even see as a fan. Uh, how he's helping these young men progress, uh, just get through high school, but also prepare them, get them ready for for life in general. Um, once the world gets real after graduation, you know. Um, yeah, when so, he talked about those tw- those twelve things that they would right. talk about every day, I think it was or some. It was like the twelve commandments, almost. Yeah, of, the, the twelve main points and of, just, of the program. And how I mentioned that, you know, none of them are on the field stuff. None of them are, you know, limit turnovers or or run the football or stay on your blocks. No, all of it is, you know, have some integrity. Yeah. In, you know, or have some uh, have some courage. You know, in life. Things are gonna happen. You're gonna get you're gonna get knocked down. Get back up. You know, yeah. it's, it's stuff like that that he preaches. That is exactly what what we wanted to show about Coach Casper and that whole entire staff. Exactly. And like this episode is so cool because now we've had that one perspective, and now we're gonna get it again from Jared Marfisi, who was a linebacker on that same state championship team, along with uh, you know Jordan Crawford running the ball and, and playing DB too. Yeah. Um, so it's a great defense. Very is, underrated defense, it, by the way. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Underrated man. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that's underrated at all. Well, I mean, so Jared um, played alongside people that we graduated with, um, Tyler King and, and Anthony Sermonara. They were beasts. Yeah, right. And so, and then Camino up front, Tommy Camino. It was a really, really good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely one of the best in the country. And so. He's going to have a really good perspective. And Coach Casper had a lot to do with that defense and the leadership of it. Right. So he'll be able to speak to that a lot. I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, so here's our phone call with Jared Marfisi. All right, guys, we are back. We are on the phone now with Jared Marfisi. Uh, Jared played with the Rams on the 2018 team. Uh, started a senior year with 48 tackles, uh, two and a half sacks, and uh, one interception was a – Forced to be reckoned with on that defense his senior year. Uh, Jared, how are you, man? Not too bad. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing pretty good. Pretty good. Um, you were, yeah, so you're on that 2018 team. Great team, by the way. Um, obviously winning the state championship, um, led by Coach Kasparovich. And, uh, you know, you actually came out with a tweet, and I I, I think it got, a, it got a pretty good amount of popularity there, saying that Coach Kasparovich actually yelled at you the most. I'm going to talk just a little bit about how how that dynamic was and how he demanded the best out of everyone? Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I can probably find about 10 teammates in a couple minutes that can attest to that. I definitely think uh, I took a little bit more work to kind of get into playing shape and kind of get ready to be a starter. It's definitely a big responsibility, you know, playing aside, alongside uh, two starters from the previous year, TK and Serum. I mean, you know, I had big shoes to fill. 
especially with our defense changing a little bit senior year, you know, he had to really work with me to try and make sure that I knew the fundamentals of it, you know, that I was making sure I was grasping every single coverage, blitzes, raid runs, all that kind of stuff. So as much as it was frustrating at the time, I mean, every time I'd get screamed at, you know, I'd go back to Coach Neff, our linebacker's coach, and I'd be like, Coach, I'm going to – I'm going to fight him. Like, I'm so angry right now. I I'm, I'm might fight him. And he'd just be like, all right, calm down, calm down. You know, Brock would say this, Coach Brock would say the same thing, and they'd all calm me down and just be like, look, you know, he's he's trying to demand the best out of you because he knows you can do it. We just need you to work with him and try and get past that, you know, frustration and, you know, try and be able to take the criticism without, you know, reading it as personal because as much as that comes off as a negative, you know, interaction in the sense that you know you think oh he doesn't like me or he's ragging on me really quite the opposite i mean he he wouldn't say anything to cam belay whenever cam would take reps because <laughs> me and cam you know we played the same position on defense and he wouldn't say anything to him and i'd look at coach neff and be like i just did the same thing and he gave me a whole 15 minute dissertation on why i was wrong <laughs> and uh no Neff always made sure I kept a level head about it. And, you know, he tried to explain, like, Coach K wouldn't be yelling at you if he didn't care. If he wasn't trying to correct you as much as some of the other guys, then, you know, he he understands it took more effort for me to be ready and put that effort on. So, yeah. I mean, no, no hard feelings about the yelling. You know, of, of course, I was probably pissed off at the time. I mean, you can even watch the state championship. I am screaming at him at one point. Me and him are screaming <laughs> at each other on the sideline. But that was that was just the kind of relationship we had, and it was all love, and it was all just trying to get us to be the best that we could be. Yeah. Uh, so some of the people uh, they might not be focusing on the fact that some of the uh, all the assistant coaches were also uh, let go along with Casper. Can you just kind of speak to them a little bit and um, you know just tell us about how impactful they were uh, outside just being football assistants under Coach K. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I definitely, I definitely had a special relationship with Coach Brock even before he kind of got into a bigger role on the coaching staff. Um, I had known him a little bit through some people that had graduated with him and whatnot. My sister was in a year; I think she graduated the year before him. So I kind of knew him a little bit, and you know, we kind of went back and forth, answer, you know. But he wasn't my position coach. So I would, you know, have a conversation with him before practice and whatnot, and you know, go about my business, but he was always really close. Uh, I remember I was dealing with, like, a lot of mental health issues. And at one point, it actually kind of became a problem where I was just doing stupid stuff off the field and just kind of getting in trouble. And Brock uh, actually sat me down. And this actually speaks to Coach K's leadership because Coach K knew he didn't really, you know, understand what kind of conversation to have with me, you know, what, what was going on in my head. So he allowed Brock to have that conversation with me. And I think that speaks to his leadership more than a lot of things, because he was willing to say, hey, I may not have, you know, the expertise or the knowledge on how to talk to you about this, but I can let Brock do it. And I know Brock can be a good resource for you guys since you're close. I mean, Brock Brock is, you know, a high-energy guy. He brings the intensity. He loves being in the, you know, in the system. He loves being in the coaching staff and just one of the biggest football guys I know. But uh, more importantly... Um, I definitely have a soft spot for Coach Neff. Coach Neff is, I mean, he was he was one guy I learned from every day because I didn't really try to play offense my senior year. So defense was the main focus, and that allowed me to work with Coach Neff as closely as possible. And he really understood what I needed 
from him as a coach and what kind of leadership I needed from him in, in balance with what Coach K did. And I think that really allowed me to grow and kind of build character. And he was more so a character builder than, you know, a football coach at times because he'd tell me, you know, we have confidence in you. You just got to have it in yourselves. And it helped me find that confidence, you know, helped me get past the fear of messing up so that I had the chance to play. Because in all honesty, if you're scared to screw up, you're not going to really be willing to, you know, take risks to make big plays and whatnot. And he kind of got me over that fear. And that's something, I mean, I still use today is just trying to understand, like, you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. But if you're scared to do that, then you'll never have the chance to be cor- be correct or, you know, be successful. If you're, if you're scared, you're not going to get anywhere. So hey, can't be, he did a good job of that. Yeah, can't be scared to fail. you got to go out there and, uh, and go take what's yours. And it seems like Brock kind of helped instill that you know, under Coach K, obviously they, they preach that sort of toughness and discipline, but they also seemed like a little bit more like brothers to the players almost um, in a sense of relatability. And you said, you know, that could have even been because of the, the fact that they were closer to you in age as players. Um, do you think that that dynamic had an effect, um, like I said, with the age and seeming more like brothers to you guys? Yeah, I think definitely with Brock, that was a big thing. You know, he's like I said, a high-energy guy. So he's bringing the intensity every day. Whether you're bringing it or not, Brock will smack you in the face with a level of intensity that you probably can't match. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was, the, he was the kind of guy that, I mean, for a JV game, without a helmet on, he'd grab your face mask and smack his head off your helmet if he really wanted to. So wow. he was an intense guy and just loved getting the energy up. And that I definitely think with him, that's a big thing for us. Because, I mean, with Coach Neff, he's a little bit of a, you know, quieter guy. Like, let's talk through things. Let's you know, reason through them. Let's understand why we're doing what we're doing. And he was a very calm leader, which I think helped balance out the intensity that Coach K and Brock brought to the defense. And I, but I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say the age plays a huge role in it because I mean, even Coach Pappy, I could walk up to and have a great conversation with him anytime, anywhere. You know, so I, I don't think age necessarily plays a part in it. More so about than their attitude about coaching us and, you know, having a more modern idea of being a coaching staff and what that entails and stuff like that. And they were really good at it too. Um, Casper with a record of 85 and 18 and over his eight years at Pine Richland um, is just an absolutely insane stat when you you step back and look at it as a, just a consumer of the game. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, it, it leads to, uh, a lot of questions uh, about Coach K. Uh, just we all know how great of a leader he was. What kind, what kind of guy he was. But what would uh, what would you say the the reasoning is behind his removal? You know, we've heard some things on the news about hazing and bullying, and, and we talked to Jordan earlier, and he said that that was the exact opposite of that in the locker room. There was never any hazing, bullying going on, and Coach K is not the type of guy that would up with that if there was any and he would follow all the uh, you know all the guidelines to report it um, so what what would you believe the real reason to be behind his removal honestly you know personally I don't I don't think I'm at liberty to necessarily contact or comment on the interactions between the staff and the administration because a lot of that stuff was behind the scenes and whatnot and they wouldn't really bring that up to us or kind of let us in on that because they were just kind of like look let's just play football let's have fun let's you know kind of learn and grow as people the focus was more on the program rather than our interactions with the administration no matter how rocky that got at times you know we were never really 
kind of let in on what was going on. So, and I, I definitely think that played a part in us being successful too, because if you have off field drama, you're not really going to be able to focus. But, um, I mean, hazing, I, I can tell you right now, if hazing was going on, Coach Casper would probably, he'd be on us. You know, we'd all be in trouble. We'd be running in a, you know, whatever form of punishment he found suitable was what we were going to get. I mean, if you screwed up, you got, you paid the price as you should. I mean, the accountability was one of the massive words we had printed on the locker room when I was a senior, and that was something he believed to his core. So I, de- I definitely don't agree with the idea that hazing was happening. Um, I mean, I can't speak to every player's individual experience, but at the same time, I can tell you, like, that was not the kind of culture that was preached. That was not the kind of culture that would have been accepted. I mean, I, I know there's probably you know, isolated incidents or whatnot, you know, it always happens in high school with kids being rude to other ones. And I know that, you know, the one kid came out and said he had had a problem with some of the players. But from what I've heard that from, uh, from, you know, everything that's been going on is that, you know, even the kid's dad came out and said, hey, look, you know, we handled that problem. I don't necessarily know that there's ongoing culture of hazing. That, to me, makes it sound like there's some sort of, like, fraternity type tradition where kids are being like initiated into a fraternity and just like forced to do all these obscure things i i just can't see that really ever being a culture that's accepted in that locker room as long as that coaching staff is there right and to bring up the fact that the kid's dad uh who apparently was the one who had the issues with the hazing his dad came out and said it was actually something that happened over snapchat and it was it wasn't it wasn't even a member of the football team that sent it to him um, so they, I, I'm guessing, uh, I mean, the administration just saw that and kind saw an opportunity, that. like he's a football player and he's complaining about being bullied and maybe they saw an opportunity. I don't know. And that's not something we can really speak on, uh, just because, you know, we don't know the full story, but all we do know is that nothing happened in that locker room. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to warrant the removal of the coaches. Um, I think we can pretty much all agree on that, you know, you spoke about the culture, and that just wouldn't be accepted there. And I feel like that's because Coach Kasparovich, he he demanded the best out of everyone, and I think that contributed to the whole culture of greatness in the locker room. Um, and, and did you feel that was that like a palpable? You you walked in there and you knew everyone was going to be, you know, demanded to be their best. Was that something that you felt when you walked in there? Yeah, it, it absolutely was. I mean, maybe not necessarily in the locker room exactly, but in the whole building, yeah, you're, you're expected to, you know, carry yourself with respect, respect your teammates, most, most importantly, respect your teammates. I'm sure you saw their tweet. Uh, they posted that quote that we had in our team room that said, I did everything in my power to make sure you were successful today, not me, you. Yep. Um, so it, it was really about being a part of the greater chain, being a link in the greater chain, and making sure that that chain didn't have any weak links by just trying to be the best that you can be. Um, so that was definitely that was definitely the mindset each and every day. And like I said, like hazing hazing wouldn't be accepted into that culture. I mean, if you look at you know the teams before us, I think Coach K got there somewhere in the early 2010s, and then by 2014 we made it to states. And I texted. One of my buddies, John Coley, from the 2014 team, and I was like, did you ever see any instances of hazing? I mean, you, know, you were there a couple classes before me. I wouldn't necessarily know. And he just said, no, like, I, I couldn't tell you that there was hazing or anything done with ill content. You know, there's messing around and, you know, the typical pranks and whatnot. But, 
I mean, the worst thing I can think of from his class to mine, I remember they took, uh, I think it was Matt Pickle's thigh pads or knee pads and they replaced them with chicken patties to screw with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that, funny, that's yeah. Like the worst, one of the worst things I can think of. Like, it, it, nothing, like, done with, you know, the intent of hurting someone's feelings or, you know, degrading someone's character. Right, it's all just a bunch of buddies playing high school football. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a locker yeah. room, you know, it's, it's never going to be 100% perfect, but that's a brotherhood in there. And it seems from from what you're saying, what Jordan's saying, what all these, these former players, current players, um, heck, even the young guys who are barely have been in there um, are saying that it's, it's a culture of, of winning and greatness and respect. And that points yeah. to Coach K and just how great um, of a coach he and the whole staff was um, and hopefully will be again. Hopefully they get their jobs back. Yeah. Um, so, so, Jared, what are our next steps as um, listeners, um, you know, consumers, uh, community members, what can we do to help these great coaches and even better men get their jobs back? Um, I mean, obviously speak out, you know, make sure your voices are heard as much as possible. Try and make sure you get the word out and spread the word. You know, I, I definitely think a lot of kids are missing out. And I mean, for me particularly, looking at the whole situation, it's just like I didn't start my first three years, but I wouldn't have been able to start without that coaching staff that they you know, had it been someone else, I, I don't know that I would have played my senior year because I wouldn't have had the character change that I did. So I definitely think it's important to kind of, you know, get out there and talk about it and just kind of spread the word and whatnot and, you know, try and make sure people understand that we actually care about this. Um, definitely, definitely just trying to talk about it as much as possible. Um, and on top of that, I'm pretty sure there's a school board election coming up this year. So go vote. I mean, I'm a political science major. Go vote. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Vote for what you want represented. Yeah, yeah. Just go. You can you can make sure your voice is heard in that ballot. And so I don't think they're going to have good chance of winning re-election based on a lot of the problems that are coming to light, even outside of the football program. It seems that there's a lot of discontent with the way the administration is running things. So I think the best thing I can say on that is you know just go vote. Like I said, simple as that. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, you know, we've we want to get this message out to as many people as as we possibly can. Um, and we mentioned earlier in the episode, there's actually a petition that you can go and sign um, to have the football coaches reinstated. And these guys have played a huge part in so many people's lives around the community, including yours, Jared, uh, as you were talking about. So if you just started listening now for some reason, go back, listen to the whole interview. It's uh, It's a really good one. Um, the, the link for the petition will be in the description. That's right, yeah. Link for the petition will be in the uh, description of the episode. You can go down there. Uh, we'll we'll link it all up so you can go ahead and sign it and uh, even donate some money if you want to. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thank you, Jared. I appreciate it. No problem. Have a good one. You too. Yeah. All right. That was Jared Marfizi, guys. Absolute class act, and we really appreciate him coming on. Um, so... Go give him some love. Go follow him on, uh, on his social media. And uh, just keep talking about it, like he said, and, and hope to get these great coaches and, like I said, even better men back. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot we could do. Um, just starting even as simple as a petition, but, but speak out. Like he said, go vote in, in that uh, board election. It's going to be big. Uh, you know, these are the guys who are deciding basically who shapes the lives of our of our young people in the district you know uh coaches do a lot more than just coaching they're 
they're great mentors, just like Coach K and this entire coaching staff was. So we hope that, you know, we can help get this thing fixed. Yeah, I agree. And you're, you know, people always say well, you, you go vote for, you know, Senate and in Congress. I could argue that, that these voting for school board would be even more impactful and that the decisions they make impact people um, even more so than something as high as like a Senate Senate vote or something like that. I mean, right. the, you're voting on people that are, again, going to decide the football coach. If Coach Kasparovich is in there, you're you're getting significantly better young men. And that's just, that's a fact. Him and his staff are phenomenal. I and mean, you've heard two accounts of it today. Yep. So, uh, I mean, definitely got a good view on that story now. We will continue to follow it. If any other new uh, updates, developments come out on it, uh, we will cover it here on the show. Uh, but we are going to get to a break after the break and the ad, uh, we'll be back with some Steelers draft news, a little uh, possibilities, who they're going to be picking, where. Um, the Penguins are making a pretty good playoff push right now. Uh, right now they're in, I think they're third in the division or second. Yeah, I, I don't know. I know they're in the playoffs for sure right yep. now. Uh, lost yesterday to the Buffalo Sabres, which hurt a little bit. Um, but, I mean, for the most part, yeah, they're, looking, they're looking good. And then, uh, you know, the Buccos. Why are they not, like, absolutely abysmal? I mean, they're not great, but, like, they've, like, won a couple series. So we're going to actually get into that and uh, just stick with a local day, you know? Absolutely. Uh, a lot more coming after the break, so don't go anywhere. What's up, guys? It's the uh, boys here from The Issue. We just wanted to give the guys over at Rockville a formal shout-out. Yeah, they are fantastic. They have everything from lighting to audio for your car, your boat, and power sports, along with, you know, that's even where we got our new equipment for the studio. Yeah, no, absolutely. For some great equipment, um, hit up Rockville Audio. Check out their great prices um, for all your audio, uh, podcast, microphone needs. What's going on? We are back. Jared had a lot of good things to say. He did. Um, kind of what I, you know, what we said, you know, playing alongside, um, you know, TK and Serm there. Um, and, and had the leadership on that defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought he perfectly said exactly what embodies that coaching staff. He did. Leadership, integrity, you know, hard work, all, all the things that you would look for in a staff. And I thought, he, you know, he, he outlined that quite perfectly for us, had a good couple good anecdotes in there. It, it was good. Yeah. Um, I mean, overall, both interviews today between Jordan and Jared, I mean – both great interviews, both had a lot to say, and I think both of them stuck up for their coach and, and the coaching staff, um, you know, just, just as good as anybody can. Absolutely. I pres- we, we appreciate both of them yeah. um, coming on and kind of speaking their mind. This has been probably one of the the hottest topics in the in the area, in western Pennsylvania, surely in the Whippeal, you know, in, in a pretty long time. And, uh, you know, it's good giving them that plat this 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 platform to talk out. I would know? say this is the biggest story in high school sports in the state in probably the last I'd say five years for sure. As long as I can remember, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's you know it's, it's refreshing to hear you know firsthand takes and uh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was really good. Thank them both for coming on. Yep. Uh, we are going to get into our drafting for the Steelers. So who do we think the Steelers should take? 2021 NFL draft we'll coming go, up. Go for kind the of. first, like, yeah, we'll just do like a quick seven rounder. You know? Yeah, we'll just we'll just walk you guys through the process we go through, kind of mm-hmm. give you almost like a kind of like a behind the scenes thing, right? You know, I'm looking at 
like five different mock drafts I have pulled up, kind of taking a, a compilation of all of them, giving my opinion in there, obviously. Um, and then, you know, I have the list of I'm using the CBS um, 2021 NFL draft prospect rankings. Um, it's been very reliable over the years, and so that's kind of what we're using. And and uh, let's just go through here. So the Steelers are picking at 24 in the first round. And, you know, you're looking at the draft order. So, you know, who's picking, you know, in the first couple picks above them there. you got the Jets at 23, Titans at 22, Colts at 21, Bears at 20, the Washington football team at 19, the Dolphins at 18, right? Let's look at some weaknesses on the Steelers team. What do you think is the biggest weakness? I would say right now offensive line. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more. Their inability to get the run game going last year and also with an aging Roethlisberger, and even if you in the next year or so bring in a young guy, you're, you're going to need a solid line. I feel like when you get these teams with young quarterbacks that kind of go off the rails, their line, it's because their line's bad. Look yeah. at Darnold. If he had a competent line, even if he's not throwing to the best guys, a competent line gives you time. Any receiver in the NFL get open with time. You yeah. know what I mean? And I mean, you could even look at Joe Burrow for this. I mean, if Joe Burrow has any sort of an offensive line in, in Cincinnati, he automatically has a better season. Yeah, but he's not hurt for the last however That's many games, true. too. Yeah, he, he doesn't get hit about 40 times a game, it yeah, seems like. he's not like. on pace to be hit more than, you know, um, Andrew Luck had to retire early because of it, right? Um, so, so we're sitting here, weaknesses the Steelers, uh, for the Steelers is, is offensive line. And like I said, we're looking the, the picks ahead. Now, the Jets could very well take an offensive lineman. You know, they took Mekhi back then this past year. I think they're going to continue building on that on that line. So they could. The Titans, probably not. Colts, no. Bears, they're probably not. They need some playmakers. Yeah. Um, they might even trade up. I think they're a trade-up candidate to get a, a quarterback. Um, Washington football team, also a trade-up candidate. Their line was fine last year. They need playmakers. They need a quarterback, honestly, is what they need. But they need playmakers. Uh, Miami might, might. Um, and then I don't think the Raiders, Cardinals, Patriots, Vikings, maybe the Chargers. So you're looking at 24. A lot of people say in Travis Etienne, I don't see it. I don't see that. Like, what, what, what do you see? Do you do you think running back is something that they should explore there? Um, I mean, you're going to need some sort of a good running back if you're the Steelers right now. I mean, you're coming off of three seasons where you were 28th, 31st, and then 29th in the league in rushing the last since, three years with, with James Conner. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're going to need a competent running back. I think fixing the O-line can start to get you there with the running game, and it definitely supplements it a lot. See, I but, just, I mean, you're going to need the carrier of the football. Yeah. I, I, the Travis Etienne is very interesting to me because it would be it would be nice, it would, it would be a really big name coming to the city, especially from a college like Clemson, right? So coming to Pittsburgh and, you know, you got that big new running back that you can't wait to see – that would bring a lot of buzz with it, but I do think that we need to work on our offensive line before we try to go anywhere else. Fix the, you know, make sure everything's protected before you try to build out. Yeah, I agree, and I just think ETN, he's the 36th graded prospect. I just think that's a reach at 24. I really do. Um, you know, he seems a little bit slight to me. 5'10", 205, doesn't have the size I would personally look for. Um, I, I think a guy, even though Chuba Hubbard's only a couple inches taller, a couple pounds, um, a couple pounds larger, runs a little bit differently, and uh, even he he's the 152nd rated prospect, which I think is criminally underrated for Chuba Hubbard. Mm-hmm. And people were saying, well, you know, 
He doesn't. He, he lacks the intangibles, the, the size, speed, all that. I I disagree. I disagree. Chuba Hubbard was a top five running back in the country all three years he started. You know, like the proof's in the pudding. You know, we can sit here and say, well, this guy's his upside, this, that, and the other. It's proven with Chuba. He's done it year in and year out. And even a guy like Puka Williams from Kansas. Again, little slight for my liking. But if I'm drafting slight like I would with, with Travis Etienne, Puka actually has more experience. Etienne, he's proven on the biggest stage, right? But at a 205th graded prospect, you can get Puka Williams in like the sixth round. I still think he brings a lot of juice to your football team. I just think it's overdrafting at running back at 24. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So now we go to look at um, offensive line prospects. Right, so like I said, we're drafting at 24. Tevin Jenkins is the 23rd graded offensive lineman. But again, you look right ahead of the Steelers. The Jets, probably, probably, I, I think they take an offensive lineman. That's probably a Tevin Jenkins because I think um, Darasaw, the the big three, or no, sorry, the big four. Um, you got Christian Darasaw, Rashawn Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Panay Sewell. That's a big four. Um, for the offensive lineman, then there's a slight drop off, slight drop off to Tevin Jenkins, Alex Leatherwood, right? I think the big four is gone by the time we draft the 24. I think it's a quarterback draft, it's an offensive lineman draft, and it's a receiver draft. I think they're gone by 24, but I think at 24, um, you're looking at a guy, Tevin Jenkins, maybe, or Alex Leatherwood. I think would be a great pick at 24. Slight overdraft. He's a 39th graded prospect. But it's 6'6", 312. That's a freak of nature. Give me a freak of nature. I'll figure out the rest. Yeah. Seriously. Especially a 6'6", If you trust your coaching staff, if you trust your coaching staff, like, give me the freak of nature. I'll do the rest. Yeah. He's huge. He let up no sacks while he's at Alabama. Go look up a picture. This guy doesn't look like he's from the same planet as us. I don't know what he's eating. <laughs> Seriously, he's huge. Um, I, I think that would be a good a good pick for them in the first round. What do you think? Um, it would definitely help sure up that offensive line, man. Um, and I think that's what we need the most right now. Just trying to maximize and give Ben as much time as he possibly can have. Right. And make sure he's not getting killed. Uh, he's never been a hold onto the ball type of guy. We saw them try to fix that or he, 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 he has, has been. been. Yeah. yeah. He has been a guy that holds onto the football, makes things happen, extends the play and kind of looks downfield and, and makes a big throw. We've been seeing him try to get the ball out a little quicker. Hopefully, with the new offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, they start to fix that a little bit, figure out that that's not Ben's bread and butter, uh, I, I butter and he needs need, to move away from that. Yeah, you need a mixture, yeah. I think is what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, you have to have the timing routes, but, I mean, in some instances last year, it didn't even look like the receivers were ready to catch the ball. Yeah. And I think they might have had to play to that because the offensive line wasn't where it needed to be to hold and pass protect. Uh, so, I mean, you get an Alex Leatherwood in there, dramatically improves the offensive line, both I, pass yeah. protecting and run blocking. Um, it's going to improve the run game and the pass game. So I think that would be a great pick at number one. Yeah, I agree. So you have these you have these players that come into the draft you know are just going to be good, right, in like the top ten. Like you know that Micah Parsons is a freak of nature athletically. He's probably going to be minimum a B, a B player, which is really good as a rookie. He's going to be minimum B player. First, first game in the league. Yeah, he's just athletically better than like eighty percent of the league already as a college prospect, right? 
And I think Alex Leatherwood fits into that. Although he's graded like lower, 39th overall prospect, like I said, he's just so physical that it's going to be hard for him to not succeed. You know, you see these rookies come in, they almost look like dominated physically. He's just that's just not going to be the case for him. Yeah. You know, so I think that gives him an edge. I think he's it's going to be hard for him to not be good. He's going to be hard to be a bust. It's it's very low chance he's a bust. Right. Um all right, how about second round? So you're again looking at weaknesses. So you you draft an offensive lineman. What else do you think is a is a weakness um for this team? Honestly, our secondary uh defensive backs. Uh I know we were talking a little bit about it before we started uh recording, but I mean, Joe Hayden's it. That's all we have. Yeah, Cam Sutton will probably have to move outside, but he was a really good slot corner. He'll probably have to move outside just because, you know, Steven Nelson's gone. We're just lacking another outside DB. Simple as that. Um, but I think you should definitely draft someone there. You just uh, The safety's very good. Terrell Edmonds actually better than people give him credit for, and Mink is an all-pro. But you need you need DBs to help him out. So who do you like? So you're looking, we're drafting at it'd be 55th overall pick, right? And you're looking at prospects in that range. Um, Eric Stokes out of Georgia is a little bit of a longer DB. A um, little bit more unpolished, right? 6'1", 185 pounds. Seemingly a little bit less polished, right? He's only a junior. But you look at Elijah Molden from Washington, a senior. So veteran could probably be better earlier, mm-hmm. right? Um, but he's a little bit smaller, 5'10", um, and 191. So a little bit shorter, not as quite as long as an Eric Stokes. I personally like Elijah Molden. I think you need a guy that can come in and play now. Yep. He's a senior, a three-year starter. Um, and we just drafted a longer guy, Justin Lane, out of Michigan State either last year or the year before. And, you know, we were kind of told he was a project. He played a little bit here and there. I think he's going to take a step forward. So we have that long DB. I think you now you need to go for experience and people that can help you now. Yep. What do you think about a guy like Sean Wade from Ohio State? I – I actually like him a lot because he was supposed to be um, probably a first-round talent going into this this past 2020 season. But then he had a down year, right? Mm -hmm. I still think the talent's there. I think he's a very unpolished prospect, though. I think not in the second. I don't think he's a second-round pick. I think he's more third or fourth-round pick. But I think he's also one of those where – Kind of sits for a year. He goes, okay, all right, I kind of got this figured out now. And then that, you know, second, third year in the league, he really hits it. And I think his ceiling is very high. Mm-hmm. And I think even if you do take a uh, an Elijah Molden in the second round, I still think it wouldn't hurt to sharp the back end even more. If Sean Wade falls to you in, like, the fourth round, take him. I don't think you can pass him up. No, yeah. If you're happy with your third-round pick and you're truly sitting there saying, okay, I think we got a good, we got good value in our third-round pick that we don't have to reach – at your fourth round pick, I think if Sean Wade falls to you, I think that's a perfect pick. Okay. It's a great pick. So for the third round now, so we got the offensive line, we got the defensive back. Where would you say our next need, like the next thing we need to be taken care of? Now at this point, back to kind of what you said, I think running back. Okay. I, I really do. So who do you think is falling to us in the third round? Or do we pick in the third or fourth? We pick in the third. It would okay. be the 87th overall pick. Um. Let's see. So you said I, I'm thinking running back. You look at a guy like um, Trey Sermon out of Ohio State. A little bit of an injury history, so that kind of worries me a bit. 
but he produced big at two programs, which shows a little bit of versatility because they're not the same. At Oklahoma, that's a very spread offense. You know, you're getting the ball out there. He's pass blocking a lot. He's catching out of the backfield a lot. And then he goes to Ohio State where it's a little more grounded pound. Even though they do have Justin Field, that's a physical football team. They're going to run it down your throat. Right. And he ran for 300-some yards against Wisconsin. It's a more physical division or conference, I'm sorry, um, with the Big Ten. I like that pick a lot. I think he's got the physicality that you would look for in a Steelers running back. It kind of fits the city mm-hmm. a little bit there. And then also the versatility of being in a different, more spread offense going forward future-wise. That way you're not limiting yourself in the backfield. Right. I, I don't think that's a bad pick at all, having already picked offensive line and then and then shoring up the back end. Mm-hmm. So now so, we already said four here. If um, Sean Wade falls, you pick him at yep, four. Yep. And then skipping down to the fourth we, so we have again. another fourth, yeah, yep. 140th pick. Um, I, I have a couple that I see us taking an edge rusher. I don't see that. I like um, – who's the guy that filled in for Bud Dupree? Alex Highsmith. Yeah. I think he did a great job. Him and TJ Watt I think are fine. Um, I think maybe you're looking in the sixth, seventh round. I wouldn't hate if they take someone else. But I think that soon. I'm not sure that that's um, – I'm not sure that's necessary in the fourth round to take an edge rusher. Right. You, you had mentioned tight end earlier. Do you think that's something that we, that is explorable? I, I feel like a tight end is needed in Pittsburgh. I don't think Eric Ebron's the guy. Um, I mean, we just need a big physical tight end. We need an open, reliable target for Ben to throw to in his older age. Is you know, especially that's one of the driving reasons. Actually, I mean, you look at like a Gronk. In New England, I'm not saying we have to go out and find an equivalent to a Gronk, oh, but yeah. find a big target that's going to get open, that's going to create problems with you know with their defensive scheming. Sit down in open space and be you know a check down for Ben if, if yeah. he's getting pressured. See, I think um, I'm not sure how they feel. This is going to sound crazy because I'm, I'm going to throw out a name, Luke Farrell. He's only the he's the 356th rated prospect according to CBS. Four-year starter at Ohio State. He's 6'6", 258. <laughs> That's a beast. That's a refrigerator. Right? And I'm not there, saying man. we should. We probably shouldn't take him at 140, right? But if you're sitting there at 140, I would say Kyle Pitts obviously, obviously will be gone. He's going to be gone in the first 10 picks. Yeah. He's a phenomenal prospect. Then Pat Freermuth is pretty good out of Penn State. I, I think he's gone. You look at Brevin Jordan, who... Prior to the season, was getting a lot of hype. I think he's gone. Even going to Boston College with Phil Dracovic, Hunter Long, he's gone. His Phil Dracovic's uh, tight end target, Hunter Long, he's gone. I at that point, I'm not sure I'm liking any of the prospects at that slot. Like value wise, I don't think you're getting great value on a Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. Yeah, I just don't. So at that point, I think actually in the fourth round. Although you need a tight end, I'm not sure you'd get good value for it in the fourth round, so I'm not sure I would go tight end. What do you, what do you think about that? Matt, that is, there, there's truth to that, but you also have to look at just development. Like, if Ebron does have to start this year, at least take a tight end to develop him. At least well, put yeah, him no, with that's the, what I'm saying. I would say draft someone else later, like a Luke yeah, Farrell, who's yeah. only 356. Right. Like, you, they, the Steelers do have a pick. They have a seventh-round pick. They have two seventh-round picks, right? So you could just use one of them on a guy. They, I mean, in this mock draft, they have them 
uh, using their pick on a tight end from Alabama, Miller Forrestal. I've never even heard of him. Right. Luke Farrell's made tons of big catches in big games. Big games. I'd rather draft him. I mean, if he's there, I think they should take him. Okay, yeah. So I, I would. That's what I would do. Um, so in the fourth round. Um. In the fourth round, fourth round, I was thinking linebacker. Really? All right. Yeah, I was thinking more. Okay, this might sound crazy, but Paris Ford. Safety. What do you think? I don't think it's crazy. Really? You know, I, I, I'm happy with Edmonds. I think Paris Ford has more upside. You know, there's always that um, college football award for top safety, top like any every position. Yeah. And he had better stats than all the candidates every year he started. Um, I think I think he's a baller. I think he, he makes plays. He's a ball hawk. I don't mind that pick at all. I think it would actually be a really good pick yeah. from the area. Sure up that back end of the defense too. I don't like, I don't think it'd be bad at all. Get some youth. Yeah, yeah. That that would be really good. Okay, so then we would be drafting I don't think we have a fifth round pick. I think we go right to the sixth round. Okay. Yep. We're then at two sixteen. You start looking at guys that are gonna be available at two sixteen. At this point you're looking most likely for best available player. Um do you now go with that tight end? I think I think we said you should probably wait for that tight end. Till the seventh round. I'm going to throw out a name, though. What about Felipe Franks, quarterback out of Arkansas? Quarterback, yeah. I said it. Quarterback. In the seventh. No, in the sixth. This in the is sixth. the sixth round. Okay. Um, pick, what, 216, I said? No. 260. Two, two, no, 216. Okay. Yeah. No, pick 216. He's rated the 219th best prospect, so he'll most likely be there. I don't think... A lot of people are going to be, you know, overdrafting quarterbacks once you get to those later rounds. I think now, increasingly nowadays, you're seeing, you know, quarterbacks go at the beginning and they go, the, the top 10 go, and then that just kind of dies down mm-hmm. until like the sixth, seventh round, right? So he very well could be there. If he's there, am I crazy? He's 6'6, 228. Put up better college stats than Josh Allen. Like, am I, am I crazy here? No, you're not crazy. He's a physical beast. He's not quite as mobile as a Josh Allen, but he's a. Big dude, and he can he can throw the ball. He's got a cannon. We were talking to Jordan Crawford later about or earlier about um, Phil Dracovic yeah. being a possible uh, Steelers draft pick next. This year, one, yeah. yeah, but this one is interesting to me with Felipe Franks because kind of along the same lines, they both got a really big frame. Uh, this offense is geared towards that uh, that the Steelers run, so I think he could fit the system really well just from the intangibles. Um, I agree. But he obviously, he's demonstrated he has a great knowledge of the game in his time in Arkansas. So And at Florida. He started at Florida until Kyle Trask beat him out. Right. Um, yeah. I, wait, I actually saw him play. <laughs> yeah, you did. At, at Kentucky. He came in to uh, back up for, uh... no, no, no. He was, he was starting and got injured in that game. That's, That's right. right, yeah. yeah. Isn't that when Trask came That's in? That's when Trask came never, in and, and took his job. Yep, yeah, never looked back. Yeah, but I think uh, Felipe Franks would be a, a pretty good option. I don't think it's a bad pick at all. All right, so how about now? Let's go to the seventh. We have two picks, real quick here. Um, I think I don't think it would be a bad idea to get another wide receiver. Um, it's it's a deep group, but it's you're always turning over wide receivers a lot. Yeah. Um, so that's pick two forty five. Let's see. What kind of good value can we get at 245, right? 245, you're okay, so 
Oh, let's see here. Oh, Tyler Vaughn's is the 244th rated prospect wide receiver out of USC, so he's been in big games. 6'2", 190, not necessarily the frame I'd love. But hear me out. What about going offensive line again? With who? There was an offensive lineman who's the 243rd rated prospect. His name is Josh Ball out of Marshall. He's a senior, three-year starter. Offensive lineman, he's 6'8", 309. He's a little bit more active because he's a little lighter for a bigger frame, right? Mm-hmm. He moves a little bit better than Alex Leatherwood, but he's also huge, has the long arms, can still pass block, can still extend away from those pass rushers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't hate going again, getting some a little bit more depth. He might be a little bit more of a project, sit him for a year, maybe two, and uh, bring him in kind of situationally here and there, almost right. like a... Uh, like a Zach Banner on, on kind of like trick plays, but still get him some blocking experience, right? He's a freak of nature. Like I said earlier, give me the athletic freaks of nature. I can teach him the rest. You know, if you truly trust your coaching staff, you can teach him the rest. Give me some physical freaks, man. Right. At 6'8", 309. I don't think it's a crazy pick. What do you think? I do like that pick. I, I like it a lot. I think you need to do everything you possibly can to make sure Ben doesn't get hit. And if this is one of those things that you can do, even if you just use him situa- uh, situationally to start, and, you know, if he proves himself, he proves himself and earns himself a starting job. But um, I-, I definitely don't hate the pick. Yeah, and then from there I think we discussed, I think you take Luke Farrell. I still think last. he'll be available at that last pick that we have in the seventh round there. What what, what exact slot is it? Let's see. 254, it's like nine picks later than the, their previous one mm-hmm. um, that I say they should take Josh Ball or John Ball, right? No, Josh Ball, sorry. Um, I I think you take Luke Farrell. I know it sounds crazy because he's actually rated to be like technically his rating says he should go undrafted, but he I don't know, man. He's big. He's experienced. He's got strong hands. He's in the Big Ten. They've produced some good Tight ends, you got a uh, you know George Kittle, Noah Fant, Jesse James. I I think um, what's the guy kid from uh, Penn State? Oh my God, we just talked about him. Why is my mind blanking right now? Pat Freermuth, thank you. Yep. I think he's going to be a really good tight end. I the Big Ten's got a knack for that position. I think Luke Farrell. I don't think it's a crazy pick at all. He's fairly athletic for his frame. He's got strong hands. He's clearly huge. And you'd get them for nothing. It's easy through seventh round pick. It's, I think it might be the very last pick. It's pick 254. It's one of the last picks in the draft. Yeah. You know, I just think, why not, you know? Right. Might as well take them. But uh, that is basically our another mock draft. Uh, just for the, the Steelers, Steelers, yeah. Steelers mock draft. Um, so now we're going to get into a little bit of the Penguins. Yeah. Right. Uh, they're starting to make their playoff push. Season ends here pretty soon. I think um, how many games are left? I think around seven or eight games max. Um, here, Let's let me, see. Let me check real quick. I got it up. No, nope, I don't got it up, but I'm about to have it up. Eleven games. Eleven games. Two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven games. So um, it's starting to uh, it's starting to get bad. interesting. We are in third place. Uh, one point behind the Islanders. Um, it's right now Capitals, Islanders, Penguins, and then Bruins, Rangers, Flyers, Devils, Sabres. Yeah, we lost to Sabres yesterday. That, that one hurt a little bit. That one definitely hurt. Good news is that we have three against the Devils, so they're not great. 
they're not a good team, and we have beaten them a good amount. Right, I, I, this year we have their number big time. Um, so I, I like that matchup. We play them three games here coming up, starting tomorrow, Thursday, Saturday. Then it gets a little tougher though, because you got four straight: two against the Bruins, two against the Capitals. That's brutal, right? You're going to have to watch those games against the Bruins because Boston is slowly sneaking up um, in those standings. We have 59 points. They're 56, leaving them just a game and a half behind us at this yeah, point. Yeah, and they play us tough. Yes, they do. Um, so this is why I love hockey in in like that April-ish region, right? Whenever you're wearing shorts and you're watching a hockey game, you know it's getting important, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so the Penguins, look, I mean, we're three points behind first, but we're also three points from being in fourth. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's, it's uh, you got to toe the line a little bit, and, and you, you know? Only, you, you only, only get the top seven four. from being in fifth. Yeah, you, the top four of the division go to the playoffs. Yeah. So, I mean... Right now we have a seven-point cushion from being out of the playoff spot, but still, you know, I you're going to have to fight for every single one. You can't sleep comfortably yet. That's not cushy. That's not a cushy, no. you know, gap there. Yeah. I still think they do make the playoffs. I think Sullivan's a really good coach. We just got a veteran player, Jeff Carter, um, which I think will be a really good infusion into that locker room. You got a lot of guys that are coming off injury, so it's very hard for them to recede for right. how they've been playing. Yeah, I think they start to play better. Um, look, I think the Devils. You have the next three games. I think you have to sweep them. You ha- you have to get you have to you at have least to get, two of the three. I think you got to win three of three, man. Because then after that, you go four straight against Bruins, Bruins, Capitals, Capitals, and then to make it even worse, I know the Flyers aren't like great, but they the play us hard. really tough, and we have two straight at Philadelphia. Uh, May third and May fourth to cap off the season. So that's six brutal games in a row, and then <laughs> and then you have two against the Sabers at the oh, end okay. of the season. So those are two probably wins. I think you got to clean up against the Sabers and then the Devils these next three games. Absolutely, you have to. Yeah. Um. So I think you have to you have to win these three Devil games, and then out of those six with the Flyers, um, Capitals, and Bruins, give me three wins, split it, and then win those two against the Sabers. I think you're looking at a playoff spot. I really do. It is a sprint to the finish line. Uh, We will be covering it every step of the way. But uh, we're going to get into a little baseball now, right? Weather is heating back up. Uh, MLB is back in full swing. And the Buccos are actually not as bad as we thought they were going to be. No, they're they're, they're not. And it's kind of scaring me because I thought they were going to be, right? And at this point, like, I kind of, like, conceded my, like, fan for them, like, being a fan. (laughs) <laughs> but they're actually not in last, okay? Um, they're in fourth, but they're only a half game behind the Cardinals for fi- uh, for third. And they're only like a game and a half. They're only two and a, two and a half games back at first place, yeah. which is the Reds. We, we said that they would be last. Right. Right. So they're playing decent baseball. They're seven and nine, which I think is better than we both would have expected. I would have expected through 16 games to see something around five and 11. Maybe. I think would have been would have been a uh, a logical thing, right? Yeah. Um, but I, it's I don't want to get too high on them too quick. Yeah. I mean, we still don't have the pitching. We still don't have the offense to really compete this year. Uh, I hope the best for them, right? And, and it's nice to see them not doing horrible. But I mean, took two out of three from the Brewers. Split with the Padres. That's got to be that a was win. insane. Um, took two out of three from the Cubs. Got absolutely hosed by the Reds, though. Yeah. And then um, 
that opening day series, you know, lost two or three to the Cubs. It could be worse. They've won more series than I expected, and then they they go to Detroit, and Detroit's not a very competitive team. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what's Detroit's record looking like. Detroit's six and ten, so that's what I expected to see roughly from the Pirates. Um, so Detroit's not a great team. So I think you could probably take two of three from them as well, and then boom, you're looking at 500 baseball at that point. At least, which for is kind of crazy. Yeah, if they can somehow keep that up, maybe build on it. I don't know. Maybe pick up a couple guys. We need. Something I don't think. Somewhere. I don't think we're looking at a playoff push, guys. But I do think uh, maybe Shelton isn't a you know as bad of a hire as I thought initially. Yeah, I didn't love the hire. Um, I, I just didn't. I think he lacked a sort of charisma. But uh, you know, the guys seem like they're playing hard under him. There seems like there's a pretty good energy in that locker room and on the field there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's it's, pretty much it. Could it. be worse, right? Yeah. I think some injuries are not aren't great right now. Cabrian Hayes is out, but Philip Evans has been raking in place for him. Um, Eric Gonzalez has been hitting the ball pretty well. Colin Moran has always had power. He's continued to show it. Brian Reynolds um, is is hitting the ball pretty well, and then JT Brubaker. The starting pitcher, um, who we didn't really expect to be a starting pitcher, has like a .6 ERA in the top 10 in the league. Yeah. So he's been a pleasant surprise. Uh, I, it's kind of crazy that there are still two games under 500. We can sit here and say that we almost got to give them credit for <laughs> for exceeding expectations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a sad reality of rooting for Pittsburgh baseball, right? It truly is, but uh, you know we'll continue to monitor that as well. And if they do, I guess start to rattle off some wins. I guess you could start thinking about making a push, but you know still very very young right now. And I guess for now they've exceeded our expectations, but uh, we'll see what happens. You know we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but that is pretty much all we have for you guys today. Uh, it was a loaded show. Go back, listen. Jordan Crawford joined us first. Had about a half hour with him. And then we went and we called Jared Marfisi. About 15, about 20 minutes, right? 18 minutes, I think. There you go. It was uh, a great call. call. Both great call. Great interview. Great call. Um, it was great to hear. You know, great to hear from them. All right. Especially about this uh, this ongoing situation with the Pine Ridgeland High School uh, football coaching job and situation. Um, so, guys, thank you for listening. You can go to our Instagram, which is at the underscore issue podcast. Uh, and then when you're done there, go to our Twitter, which is just at the issue podcast. Uh, give us a follow. If there's anything you want to, you know, put on the show, if you want to come on, just send us a DM, uh, send us a message. You could also send us an anchor voice message. We can play it on the show. That's if you go to our anchor website, which can be found in our Twitter bio, go there, leave us a voice message. Um, yeah, guys, thanks for listening. That was the issue.